Oh man, Ron, today we are joined by somebody that's done over $210 million in sales. What? what? That's crazy. Like, and just his life story is so like movie worthy. There's so much stuff this guy's done. Yeah, from being a professional Bassmaster, doing right. being part of Google Maps before it was Google Maps. Uh, Next up. out at 13. You name it, he's done it. You name it, he's done it. All right, everyone. Our guest, the one and only James Smiley. What do you say? Let's get to it. Have you ever wondered how highly successful entrepreneurs think? So did we. So we asked hundreds of entrepreneurs a very simple question. If they had perfect hindsight, what advice would they give themselves? I am Corey Carter. And I'm Ron Cool. Join us on our journey implementing and sharing all of our learnings while we hack our hindsight along with our guest hindsight to give us all better foresight. Listen along the way as we find and unlock their secrets that made them successful through hidden traffic, joint ventures, and much, much more. This is Hindsight Hack. Today at Hindsight Hacking, we have a lucky, an amazing guest uh, because I don't know why we are very, very lucky and blessed. Uh, so James Smiley, and who is James Smiley? If you don't know, he is a man that has helped two companies grow to $20 million from zero. He has coached countless executives and entrepreneurs. He's published seven different books. And by the way, played college football and is a former ESPN Bassmaster Pro angler. James, thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome, man. And I just found this. I am a uh, all-star. All-star baseball. 12-year-old 12, 12 all-star baseball player. Ah, there you go. You're, Put you're that like... one on the resume. <laughs> <laughs> James, we're excited to have you on. And just kind of, you know, going through your story and talking, um, you know, it, it's super inspiring. You know, and I have so many questions about the pro bass tournament like crazy stuff right but for the listeners that don't know you can you give a little backstory about who is james smiley man i'm trying to figure out james smiley out every day i think <laughs> if, if uh if you, if you you know if people want to be honest with themselves like if you push yourself you find something new every day you know or every week and um <clears throat> but man I, I honestly like i guess the way my dad raised me like i'm just a normal dude uh, i just have a really serious hustle I'm really competitive, um, and I really feel like um, I have some type of unique call in the world. Like, I think everybody has that sense. I really think everybody has that sense. Um, I feel like mine has to do with um, reaching a lot of people, and, um, <clears throat> you know, I feel like I'm just getting started, you know, in what I'm supposed to do. So I think all the marketing and business and understanding conflict and pain and overcoming pain and all those kind of things. I think it's, it's something that's setting me up for something uh, maybe the next 10 years or something like that. I don't know. So, but yeah, so um, that's, that's a, just a quick nutshell of who I am. I mean, I've done a lot of business stuff. I was part of IPO and software company in my twenties. We were the first Google maps. Um, I literally just, uh, man, it's crazy. I feel like, I feel like I just, um, you know, when you, when you hear like the summary of somebody's, 
life um it's and you realize it's yours you're like man like you, you don't realize as you go through because 80 percent of it sucks 80 percent of it was losing 80 percent of the deals didn't work you know the partnerships didn't work whatever um you know i could have put in there um you know you know in the housing crisis he went bankrupt and lost 11 homes uh you know uh, a lot of people don't know i, I lost my first son at, at seven years old uh, a lot of people don't know um you know like they're like you know what i mean like like that's real that's real life you know and um you know um how, i mean i can't tell you how many businesses i tried to start didn't work <laughs> you know um so you know but uh i can't tell you how many times i was laughed out of the room trying to get a deal or whatever but just didn't let it didn't let it slow me down you know so um, i was telling a story on another show this morning how when i was <clears throat> when i was in junior high I don't know how I got this mentality, but like um, even in elementary school, I remember being in PE class and like um, in the, in the, uh, they would like tell you like you're gonna do this like running course or you're gonna kick the ball here and climb this wall and do whatever, and um, like so they'd say okay every class everyone get in line, and then they would always say okay like who wants to who wants to do this who wants to try it basically like who's gonna be the dummy to do it first, and a hundred percent of the time I would run to the front of the line, and I would say I'll do it. And in fact, I would literally cut to get in front of the line every single time. And I remember like, I remember some of my um, PE teachers who like they had been athletes and stuff. And the, I remember them pulling me aside and going, man, why, why do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just want to be a leader. I just want to, I'm not afraid to fail. And I remember them going, don't ever lose that kid. Don't yeah. ever stop doing that. The whole rest of your life, go to the front of the line and don't be afraid to lose. And, um, and don't be afraid, you know, and, um, so it's crazy, like, even to this very day, like, um, <clears throat> there's a dilemma on the, the COVID thing and all this stuff, and even through all that, like, I was using my own personal, um, uh, you know, skills that I've learned in business about measuring macro level things that are happening, um, and going, you know, this economic downturn wasn't like the housing crisis, I went through that, it wasn't like 9-11, I went through that, it wasn't like dot-com era I went to I, I was working in Silicon Valley when that happened like like it wasn't like like those this was like literally somebody saying hey I'm going to turn the, the economy off right now right and so um if that person says hey I'm going to turn it back on there is a likelihood that things are going to come back like it's not like this ma this massive um you know all these banks need to get in order and all this you, you know what I mean it wasn't this massive systemic issue um, now, if we had stayed shut off for a year, then yeah, right, like different. So I was telling people like, hey, if we try to turn the economy back on, I I'm going to bet you money that um, we'll, we'll be back in business in like four to six weeks. And this was a month ago when it was hell. And I mean, there were people just going, they thought I was the devil, man. They thought I was so insensitive and all this stuff. And I was like, guys, I, I'm quarantined. I'm not doing stupid stuff. I'm praying for the sick. I'm, you know, but I'm also telling you, reality is, um, if we manage it right, if we listen to what our guidelines, this thing should curve off. And, um, and it's, it's just funny. Like, we're, we are seriously blessed and lucky that, that um that people did follow <laughs> the rules and did you know try to try to do distancing and um and that that works you know like it's worked in other places so <clears throat> but i wasn't worried people were like oh my god the the hospitals are going to be overrun because all the media says i'm like dude 
do you, something logically, do you know how fast America builds hospitals, like pop-up hospitals all around the world in wars? I'm like, dude, these guys can pop up hospitals in two to three days. Yeah. Like they do this. It's, it's a current skill we know how to do. So, so I wasn't worried about that. I mean, I was like sad if people were dying that fast. Right. But, um, but I wasn't worried about that. And even like ventilators and all this stuff, I'm like, guys, we like, thank God we have an entrepreneurial guy leading where it's like, th these are easy problems to solve. <laughs> like we know manufacturing, we know this stuff. It's not like this technology did not exist. And that's what I was telling people. I was like, this is one thing if ventilator technology doesn't exist. I'm not kidding, man. I'd be like, I'm in Texas. So I'd be like trying to figure out like, where am I going to go live in the woods? How am I going to live off the land, fish hunt? And like, if we didn't have technology for ventilators, okay, I would be like, yeah, we're in trouble. But, but a lot of these major issues, I was like, I, I, I honestly, when I look at it, I don't think, I don't think in four to six to eight weeks, these things are going to be a problem. Yeah. And, um, and uh, so I, I was standing up for Four weeks ago, saying that, and man, I took a lot of flack. But now, not one of those people will comment on my thread. Now, they won't even say anything anymore. And, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm like Nostradamus or some predictor, but it just goes back to like um, being willing to take the lead. Yeah, right. And, and sometimes being willing to be wrong and say, "Hey, I was wrong there." <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Well, you, you actually. I mean, it's so crazy to hear, like we could talk about being okay to fail uh, for, for an hour just on that subject alone, I'm sure. Um, but something in your history, one of your first sales jobs, when your, your boss gave you the list of 8,000 clients and you're supposed to cold call everybody and you're like, no, nah, I'm going to go ahead and just send an email to get them to call you. Like how, what went through your mind to go against the grain because at that point, it's not even saying, it's not even jumping the front of the line because somebody's saying, who's going to do this? This is so, you being creative enough on your own to, to make something like that happen. Like, what, what was that shift in, in you uh, that led you to do something differently there? You know, so I'm going to be totally honest, okay? Like, I could say some, some totally, like, super smart, high IQ answer here. But honestly... I just didn't like the idea of making damn phone calls. That's awesome. Yep. And, and, I, and I was like, this is a bad leverage of my time. Yeah. Like, like, and also <clears throat> one thing I started learning, like I didn't grow up with a rich parent or rich neighborhood or anything like that, but I did know that people who made money were doing things different. And I learned that when you look across that sales floor and everyone's dialing for dollars, and then I walk over to the guy who's making 400 grand and he's like twiddling his pencil, like just going like this, like just sitting there. And I'm going, how come he ain't dialing for dollars? What, what, what? See, he's doing, so he or she, they're doing something different. Right. You know, maybe they had better relationship. I don't know what it is, but they were doing something different. And so all I knew was like, I had to do something different. You know, I had to do something that was outside the box and, I, once again, I was just wanting to try things, you know? So, um, so for instance, um, I didn't even, I didn't own a laptop back then. I didn't own anything. And so I didn't own technology, but so I got my first laptop at the company and this guy showed me how to use Microsoft Outlook and, and Excel and things like that, this IT guy. 
And then this lady from marketing came by and handed me a BlackBerry flyer. She's like, hey, this is the approved BlackBerry flyer. And um, she was all excited about it. And I, and I was like, what's a BlackBerry? Like, I had no idea. And, um, and, and then um, uh, she showed me this list of 8,800 people. She goes, these are your clients. She goes, none of these 80 people can sell to them. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, the problem is they don't know me. I mean, it was just logic to me. I was just like, that sounds really good to you, but that doesn't sound good to me because none of these people know me. So I was like, how do I get them to know me? And she's like, well, you got to call them. And I was like, every one of them? She's like, yeah, you need to call like 100 people a day. That's your, your goal. And I was like, isn't my goal just to hit my quota? She's like, well, yeah, but, you know, to hit your quota, you, gotta, you probably got to call. And I was like, well, I was like, let me ask you this. If I hit my quota and don't call them, is anybody going to say anything? She's like, no, but I don't know how you're going to do that. And then she walked <laughs> away. And so um, I, I just looked at this list, and I started looking at the data sets. And I was like, addresses, so I can drive there. I was like, phone numbers. So I was like, I was like, this email, this is the year 2000, okay? I was like, look at this email. I was like, huh. I was like, I don't know. Let me just try it. So I just copied all those and went into Outlook and this guy had showed me, I took notes on how to, they used to call it a distribution list. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Used to, I still call it that. <laughs> you know what call it? So, yeah. It was like a, a single contact or there was a contact that could carry a ton of people and that was a distribution list. Right. So, I remember like writing down how to do that because he's like, yeah, you can email your whole team with one email and you can email like all the salespeople with one email. And I was like, I wonder how many people you can put in there. And so I was like, I wonder if I could put 8,000. So I tried it and it worked. It saved it. And then I typed up the, the BlackBerry flyer. I mean, like it just, it made common sense to me. I'm like, the lady said this is approved language. Why don't I just type this in here? Right. So I right. typed it in, put my phone number and hit send. And so that was my very first company email I ever sent. Very first one on my first day. On, uh, uh, I, I, I was in training for two weeks, but on the first day on the sales floor and, um, and like, I was just like, I guess, honestly, like I didn't think, I honestly didn't think it worked because I thought the email would go like, zing, zing, or something. you know, I thought it would do something, but it just went away. And I was like, oh man, I was like, dude, I don't think that worked. And then, and then I was like, should I try it again? I was like, no. Nah. And then, so then I was playing around and trying to look busy. And then also my phone rang. It was like 15 minutes later, my phone rang. It was a local number and I answered it. So I was like, hey, is this James Smiley? And I was like, um, so I'm from the ghetto, okay? So I'm like, who is this? Maybe. <laughs> who the hell is this? You know? And they're like, well, no, no, no. Is this James Smiley from Nextel? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the guy asked me to bring four phones down, right? Right on the spot. I'm 20 minutes into my job. He asked me to bring four phones down. I said, him and his boss wanted four Blackberries. And so I, I look over at my boss. I go, hey, man, go, I'm going to put you on hold. I said, boss, can I take four phones, Blackberries down to a, a client? a possible client. He's like, you got a lead? I'm like, yep. <laughs> and so he's like, how the hell did you do that, Smiley? He's like, take them. And so, um, so yeah, so I just started doing that. And uh, long story short, that one email made my phone ring. I think I had, I, within like a couple hours, I had like 20, I, I completely locked out my voicemail. I think it was one of the 20 voicemails. So that's how many people were calling me back within like an hour, you know, and then, um, so I had business for weeks off one email sent, yeah. and, and, and no one knew how I was doing it. <laughs> no one knew for years how I was doing it. Oh, you didn't tell them? You didn't, you didn't 
give him the good. I, I didn't know if I was going to get in trouble. Right. My dad was like, dude, you were going to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> and now we can't build e uh, an email Now list. it's all about owning your own list and owning your traffic, right? You yeah. own the traffic. Exactly. Back before um, it was cool, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it, it was funny, like, you know, so, so that allowed me to go to this President's Club trip where I, I, uh, I went to Hawaii and, like, um, with the top salespeople in the company, and I met uh, a CEO of a small Silicon Valley startup called Telenab there, and he recruited me, and I ended up running sales for the company, and was, like, the fool, like, the evangelist and the head, the face of the whole company, and, um, but I would not have if I didn't learn, if I didn't stumble into that email thing, I would have never made that trip. And, you know, so, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy how like success breeds success, you know, and you got to try things. You got to be willing to fail. You can't be willing to, you know, well, what if you take 30 minutes to write that email and it doesn't work? Who cares? You're already there. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're already there. Worst thing they're going to do is fire you. You go get another job, <laughs> right. you know, so you might as well try something. And, but I just knew I didn't want to be the commoner. I knew that. I was like, I don't want to work here and be on the team and do that. <laughs> I was like, screw that. I don't want to do what they're doing. Right. No, I love that. I think, I think if more people had the courage to try things to fail, I know me personally, I hate failing. For the longest time, I, I would do everything I could so I didn't fail until I realized that's how I learned. And then I was like, okay, I guess it's okay. But I still kind of you know, put my buffer hat on to make sure I'm okay. Yeah. I think once you give yourself permission that failing is okay, kind of changes your whole mindset of how you do things. Yeah. Right. So when did you give yourself permission to just be okay with going against the grain? I honestly think it was when I was young, like when I, when I was learning in, in the gymnasium, like, you know, because I, I remember they would they, they would teach something like, you know, okay, like grab this ball, throw it here, hit that wall, and and it took coordination, and then like no one wanted to do it, but I would run to the front of the line because they'd say, okay, everyone get in the line, and I and I would run to the front, everyone else would try to get to the back, and and um and the the guy was just like I remember I just distinctly remember this one guy this one um, PE coach and he was just like he's like man I never seen a kid like this I never seen a kid that wants to lead, that already you want to lead. And you're, you're, we were in elementary school, fifth grade. And, um, and I was like, he's like, aren't you afraid of like doing it wrong? And I was like, no. <laughs> nice. And um, so I, I, don't, I don't know where that came from, to be honest with you. I don't know, you know, if it came from having competitiveness with my brother or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I had an older brother, but I still have a, a, a good older brother. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, but I, I try to teach that to my kids. You know, I try to teach them um, to do things that, that, you know, are, they're not always going to win at. And to, to, to you know, like, um, for instance, if they, you know, if they're going to play on um, their bikes or whatever, you know, I, I tell them, I say, hey, guys, a part of playing on your bike is falling. Mm -hmm. So when you fall, do you need to get up? You need to assess yourself, make sure you're okay. Right. Uh, if you're really hurt, you need to come talk to me. But just because you fall off, doesn't mean you start whining and crying and ask daddy to come pick you up um, because it's a part of playing, you yeah. know? And so when they were younger, you know, they instantly want me to pick them up every time. But now 
I mean, they'll scrape their knee pretty bad and they'll mm-hmm. get up and they'll just look at it and rub it off and just get back on their bike. Yeah. You know? And um, I think it teaches a lot of resilience and it teaches them to be like, I think people's pain tolerance, especially nowadays with, with all the stuff happening in the economy and in the world, like people's tolerance for pain is super low. And so they'll, they'll run from anything, you know? Um, <clears throat> I mean, it, it, it was really revealing during this whole COVID thing because what shocked me was how many people who I never thought were, were, were this way, okay? But how many people, like, physically wanted this thing to not go away? Like, the fact that I was saying there may possibly be hope, they wanted to stomp that out just because they almost, like, didn't want there to be hope. They were clinging to fear. They, the fear gave them a sense of significance every day that they were you know, doing something and being valiant and, you know, but, but, um, you know, but like, I, I don't know. I just think that was, that, that was very revealing that like, you know, some people are, some people are afraid to win. Some people are afraid to fail. Um, so I just try to teach my kids, you know, what I think is, is reality. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's, Perfect. Very well said. I was just teaching my daughter about riding a bike. Corey just successfully did that. Mine, not so much, but I was like, hey, you're going to fall down. So just understand that will happen. Like before you even get on, I take these wheels off, you're going to fall. Right. Um, But the other piece that you talked about was the competitiveness, right? That you have. Is that what got you into the ESPN Bassmaster Pro? Like, yeah. Tell us about that for a second. Yeah. So I, 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 I like, I'm, I, I'm crazy. So I, I want to be the best at everything or I just don't want to do it. And so, and, and to be honest, uh, something people really don't know about me is I'm a really, really sore loser too. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, when I lose, I will absolutely be bummed out. I'll be pissed. I'll, I'll, I'll be upset. I won't talk. I'll, I mean, I, I just, I don't like losing. And so, um, I started realizing, you know, when I was younger, like teachers, no one liked that. But when I got older, in my 20s and older, I started realizing, like, man, I think this is like a strength that I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I literally don't like to lose. And so, um, so I, I think like, um, you know, <clears throat> growing up in Seattle, I spent a lot of time in the outdoors. Um, you know, you can go, one of the beautiful things about Seattle is you can go 20 minutes outside of the city with millions of people. 20 minutes and you're like hiking in the woods and snow and alpine mountains like 20 30 minutes from, from the city you know it's it's an unbelievable place and so um what this is funny so i i just love the outdoors and to be honest my household was really stressful uh, i grew up really poor so like um you know what people don't realize about poor neighborhoods is poor neighborhoods have more disease um more more people die um this is why i was i was also telling people with covid like Trust me, man, you would rather face this virus in the public and have a job than let this thing go to the Great Depression mm-hmm. because people die in the Great Depression from all kinds of stuff. You know, like, poor, poor, like if you're from a poor neighborhood, you know, like, like there's not vaccines, there's not, you don't have access to things. And if the whole world or whole economy was that way, you know, there'd be a lot of deaths outside of COVID even, you know. So, um, so anyway, but uh, uh, so, you know, I, I was really stressed. Uh, really, really stressed when I was young. Uh, a lot of stress in the household. My, you know, I had a lot of stress with my stepmom. Maybe it was me. Maybe it was her. I don't know. 
maybe both. But um, so one thing I realized was like getting in the outdoors just seemed like like a healing mechanism. It just seemed like, and then as I got older, I started realizing, oh, I think this is like how things were meant to be. Like, you know, like I think like getting in the outdoors is a part as a natural healer. Um, you know, it's a natural way to like, even um, there's a lot of studies now, like UCLA, a lot of studies done on um, how like anything green, like any green plants, they actually can measure now with a meter, like um, the, the, uh, the order of magnitude of um, there's like a megahertz that they can measure the energy that comes because it creates photosynthesis. Mm -hmm. So anything green that creates photosynthesis, which is energy, um, uh, you can literally, it's not a lot, but you can actually measure it on a, on a magnitude reader. Um, and so like, uh, uh, so it's funny because then you have like all the green people, right? The tree hunters. Right. Right. Been still like, I've been telling you this for years, man. That's why we have <laughs> the tree. You know? So I didn't really go that far. But, uh, but uh, it's funny how, you know, like whether you believe God or whatever created the universe and the world, like, it's like the world w was also set up to, to heal you as well, to, to take care of you, to help you reduce stress and those kind of things. And um, so I don't know, it was really weird, but when I was young, I just noticed like if I could get out, get in the outdoors, interact with nature, whether it was, you know, breaking branches or catching a fish, whatever, you know, like if I could interact with the outdoors, it just like made me feel so good. And it made, and it, and it, it made me feel um, I, I don't know. It just was awesome. So I, I remember like, like, this is crazy. I think about this now. I can't believe I used to do this, but I used to do this a lot. So like my, I would have my, my, my stepmom dropped me off as early as she could in the morning. So maybe like five thirty six, six thirty in the morning, she dropped me off the crack of dawn at a lake and she wouldn't come pick me up till the sun came down. And I would literally tell her, do not come get me until the sun is almost down. <laughs> like if you come two hours before you will not find me, I'll be out on the lake. I'll be somewhere. And, um, uh, but, but I, I didn't have food. I didn't have water. Um, I would drink water from the lake. Um, and I usually wouldn't eat all day. Um, uh, and, um, but, but I just enjoyed it. I just, it was, it was better than being home, you know, and it was, um, so, so loving fishing and being competitive, somebody handed me uh, this magazine in, uh, in uh, junior high, somebody handed me this magazine called Bassmaster Magazine. And this is hilarious, man. This thing like changed my life because I opened this magazine and I saw people who were making like $100,000 in a tournament. And I'm like, you can freaking make money fishing? Like, 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 like Monday morning, instead of going to work, you can drive to the lake? I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. I was like, how do I do this? So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's what got me into it. Is that, that one magazine, man, I'll never forget it. And I was like, holy crap, like, you know, like, these people live in nice homes, and they're making hundreds of thousands, some, like, on the low end, they're making fifty to $80,000 a year, and they're fishing, you know, so I was like, dude, this is the coolest thing, but um, it was something I just never had time to try, um, uh, but I was really good, I was a good fisherman, and I, I started fishing in tournaments when I was young in my spare time, won a lot of money, won a lot of tournaments, won boats, um, but I never could like take the jump and go big. It's like the entrepreneur leap, right? I like, like fishing, it's like I could never take the, have the guts to take the big jump. So once Telenav went public, I said, man, I'm just gonna do this. This is like, the, I'm still, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, 
I'm, I'm around 30, 29, 30. Like, this is a good time. I only had one kid. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to try it. And so I did uh, used all my marketing skills. Then I realized I had all these marketing skills that would be really helpful. So then I picked up all the biggest sponsors. So this is, this is hilarious because, like, it's traditionally, like, a highly Caucasian sport, right? Like, in, in a highly, like, redneck sport, too. Yeah. And so the sponsors were looking for somebody like me. They were looking for somebody who knew how to fish, who knew how to talk, who knew how to market, but they were, were brown or different right. color. Right. And I didn't know that coming in at all. I didn't know that. And so, um, like, every big sponsor, like, Toyota gave me a truck. Uh, Bass Pro gave me a Nitro Bass Boat. Like, all, like, Bass Pro shops, like, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, and I was, so a year later, uh, they start telling me, they're like, like, dude, to be honest, like, if you were, you know, a dude from Kentucky uh, in cowboy boots, we probably wouldn't give you all that. But because you were from California and all this stuff, we're trying to reach that demographic, um, you know, and, and you knew how to fish, you know, we, we gave you all that. And it was cool, man. It was really cool. Um, I got to, like, 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 I would do really bad in tournaments sometimes and have, like, hundreds and hundreds of kids and people who wanted to talk to me after and sign mm -hmm. autographs and it was, it was a really cool experience, man. It was like, it was unbelievable. Um, I made it to the national championship my first year. So that's, that's a really like tough thing to do. Um, I almost won the national championship. I, I, I got disqualified on the first day or I, I actually would have won. I caught enough fish to win. But I got disqualified. Um, once again, taking a gamble. That, I that, sounds, that sounds like a story for another time. Almost. <laughs> yeah. So you being a competitive guy you are and, and then looking at the number of, of accomplishments and hearing about there's probably more failures to those accomplishments. Um, like how, how many offers did you make? Like, have you made, I mean, just to get from zero to 20 million for two different companies to write seven books, to coach all these people, like how many offers are you making like every single day i mean <clears throat> so i'm working in a so i'm part of i'm an owner in seven companies right now um one of the one of the companies new software company i'm working with um and i, I think this will be my next uh zero, zero to 20 million in two years this will be two years this year we should go four to five million um i would say three to five million this year um, and next year we'll probably do 15 is my guess, um, based on my good, pretty good analysis of what, what these guys have in, in our game plan. <clears throat> um, so, but I will tell you, um, so of the two that I've done so far, there's got to be like at least a thousand I failed at. Honestly, like a thousand ideas that I tried to launch that some of them went on two or three days, some went on two or three weeks, some went on two or three months. Um, I don't know if you guys know Cody Near. Um, he's like a multi-million dollar e-com guy. Um, Josh, Josh knows him really well. But um, so we were just talking today about starting another software company in, in, in e-com. So it's like, um, and that's gonna cost me 20, 30 grand to put, put up to build the software for it. Um, and, you know, like, we're, 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 what I'm saying is we're starting crap all the time, you know, and we're failing all the time. Like, you know, one of my business partners, Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank, he says, like, he says, even at his level, he's losing like 80, 90% of the time, you know? And so that 20%, so he's like, 
20% of the time I could go cash flow positive on a deal. <laughs> That's just 20% of the time. And, but it's really like one, two, three, 4% are, are the hit are the heavy hitters. Those are the big hitters where you're going to, you'll make all your money with one, what, you know, um, you know, so like I did consulting for ClickFunnels um, and got to know their story when they were a little bit younger. And um, um, one thing about Russell is like, you know, when you really hear his story, like, you know, this isn't the first time he tried to start that software company. <laughs> and, you know, like, um, he, now he talks about that a little bit more, but like, you know, um, you know, and, and he had a lot of other softwares before. He had little widgets and little this and that softwares and, you know, um, some of them made it, some of them didn't. So that's just a part of the game, you know, and um, it's, it's so interesting because like right now we want to be in this like, you know, James, give me an opt-in that's going to change my life. James, give me a webinar that's going to change my life. James, give me, give me a deal that's going to change my life. Give me a course. I'll tell you, you know you're successful when you don't need any of that crap. Yeah. When, when you honestly wake up, you're like, I don't need anybody's opt-in. I don't need anybody's webinar. That's how you know you, you made it. When you wake up and you're like, man, we're, I got to get on somebody's opt-in list. I got to get, I got to find out what people are, you're, you're still trying to figure it out. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you don't need any of that crap, you have no ambition for any of that crap, you made it. You know? well, and I think it's, that gives you your time back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause, yeah. So. The, the, the piece that I think people misunderstand the entrepreneurial journey, it's, it's less about, I mean, yeah, you want to make money, right? But it's less about making money. It's more about getting your time back. You're right. And people miss, miss that. Like, so when I, um, <clears throat> when I started Teledev, <clears throat> I was a sixth employee. When I left, we had 480 employees. Um, and it, it, we, I had worked my way into the most horrible nine to five you'd ever want in your life. Like you think a regular nine to five is hard? Try being a part of a company that raised $133 million in four, four rounds so we had, we had Menlo Ventures, Lehman Capital, like the Lehman Brothers, like we had, the, which is the richest Jewish family in the world. We had um, Joe Montana's group, um, Whisper Ventures, Liquid Ventures, like all, the, all these big venture capital companies. They, they don't want you living the entrepreneur lifestyle. <laughs> they, want you, they don't want you living on a beach or, or sitting laptop life. They don't want none of that crap. Mm -hmm. And so, um, <clears throat> so like, you know, um, I remember when I walked away, I just said, I will never do that again. Never. Like I, once in my life, but I will never do that again. It's like working 20 hour days for years on end, sleeping in the office two to three nights a week, it just wasn't worth it. Um, <clears throat> and um, our IPO was not very good either. So um, like it, it left me a legacy and, and something to build off of for sure. But um, but it wasn't like I bought a house in Malibu or something, you know? So, um, so, um, but yeah, like when I, so I don't want to say the company, but a really big software company in the internet marketing space, uh, kind of like, I don't think they offered me something, but they made a gesture of like, Hey, would you ever want to CEO the company here uh, or, or be a part of the leadership? And I was like, no, they're like, really? Yeah. Like, well, think about this think about that. I'm like, no, hell no. And they're like, well, why? Like, and I'm like, I, I, I see what the CEO does. I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I, I don't, I, this is, you know, no. <laughs> Maybe when I was in my twenties, like it's worth trying a time, but 
but you're right. Like it's, it's about um, like, like when you guys are out there building your businesses and all the followers here, um, you need to first ask yourself, how much money am I, do, do, do I want to make? But along with that, you need to ask yourself, how, what kind of life do I want to live? You know, how many hours and how many days do I want to work? You know, I, I, I've done a lot of coaching with a lot of different experts from, I did some Russell Brunson coaching, did some Ty Lopez, like totally different polar opposites, right? Like Ty Lopez. But one thing about, you know, guys like Ty is he's like, he's like, you know, to be honest, okay. He's like, he's like, he's like, you can be a million, a million dollar, um, a a seven figure entrepreneur and work three to five hours a day. He's like, let's just be honest. Like, if you know how to leverage, you you work hard. Maybe you have a a, 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 a startup time where you're working ten hour days, something like that. But he's like, you know, you can get to a place to where you're working three, four hours a day, maybe maybe four days a week, you know, um, yeah. and, and and do fine. And and you know, you don't have to be overly ambitious. Like like um like at some point, enough has to be enough. Right. Right. And um, I I think I think a lot of entrepreneurs lose track of that. They think like they think like seven figures is some, you know, magical number. It's not like um, I I honestly think like once you get around 600 grand, you're the lifestyle difference between 600 and a million is is virtually no, no change. Like there's nothing you can't buy when you're doing 600 grand a year. (laughs) Like there's nothing. You go to Walmart, you go anywhere, you buy anything, you buy Oh, what's the most expensive thing on this lot? I buy it. Like there's nothing you can't buy, you know? Right. And so um, the only difference is at a million, you're paying more taxes. You probably have more employees, you know? So I think, you know, people need to really um, look at, you know, what, what they want to do. And also, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize like a, a one percenter, everybody's like, Oh, I want to be a one percenter. You know, like a one percenter is only $412,000 a year. Like you can Google that. It's four hundred twelve thousand dollars a year. So, and that's a one percent in the whole world. Okay, so that's like the cream of the crop is four hundred grand a year. So, um, you know, two hundred grand is pretty damn good, man. You know, and um, what one thing that I did learn from Russell that that is very very uh, a good lesson is, um, you know, he has these these lessons out, but I've heard him physically say this in person. He says, you know, uh, there's not a whole lot you can't do on twenty grand a month. Um, he goes, even at, so what's interesting, even at click funnels, that's, they pay him a month. They pay him 20 grand a month. Now he'll get like a kick out at the end of the year and stuff like that, but he makes 20 grand. And, um, but you know, so you can have an $8,000 house or, you know, a $2,000 car, like you can have a lot of stuff and you're on 20 grand, you're on, you're on 250 grand a year, you know, you're a quarter million dollars a year and you're living it up, you know, um, so, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, so, um, um, yeah, I, th- I think, like, there's a misconception with people about uh, how much money do you actually need to live the life you want to live. Yeah, you know, actually, the, the guys at uh, Cashflow Tactics, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with them so much, Ryan and Brad, I mean, they, they, they were on our show, and, and we got talking about the strike number, and, and it's like, gosh, we we all have a, a much lower amount that we have to have than than we're thinking right yeah. like obviously you want more to but but just on the other side like we we need a little bit less to just go and do what we want but then 
you know, there's that, like you said, that, that ceiling on the amount that you actually need to do extravagant things that you might want to do. So, um, but one of my really good friends, Steve Larson, um, we were talking about a year ago. <clears throat> this is when he first um, broke, he broke his first million. I think he had done like 1.7 or 1.5 or something like that. And that year I had done like 800 or something. And, but what I showed him was I had profited, I had taken 300% more to my personal self than he did. And he made way more than that. He doubled my income. My top line revenue, he doubled it. Um, so he's doing something different. Like his, number one, it's his first big company. Um, he's trying to set up a, a platform and he's, he's got a strategy what he's doing. But I remember he kept saying, he's like, he's like, man, I, I, I want to get to that point someday where, because my company is so optimized, you know, like to where when we make money, like we're, we're taking a lot of that money to the house, you know? And so um, versus like a lot of times, like, I don't know. So it depends on what you're trying to do, right? Like he, I totally get what he's doing. Uh, I think he's doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job, by the way. Um, but what I'm saying is people don't, don't, um, they don't take that into consideration that like you might, you might, you know, make less than somebody, but you might actually take more, take more of your personal income than, than somebody who makes way more than you, you know? Right. Well, because you've, you've treated it like a business, but you also understand the importance of paying yourself first. Right? Yeah. And this is where that word like lifestyle business and lifestyle entrepreneur comes in. It's like, right. it's like, what lifestyle do you want to live? You know, like if like, you know, um, like I, I remember reading stories like when Snapchat went public and um, like people, a lot of people don't remember this, but when they went public, they were only a company for two years. They had $27 billion IPO. So it was funny cause I'm, uh, I, I know like what like Silicon Valley calls like unicorn companies and like, um, so when I was talking to ClickFunnels and consulting there, they were like, I think we're a unicorn. I'm like, no, you're awesome. You're, you're a killer, but you're definitely not a unicorn. Right. And they're like, well, no, we're like, you know, 300 million, 300 million a year, a year. And I'm like, well, yeah, dude, you're like four years in, 300 million, you know, like, yeah, like a <laughs> unicorn is like 10 billion in two years. <laughs> right, right. I was like, really unicorn. And, um, and that's not to take anything away. I mean, I use ClickFunnels for almost everything we do. So like, let's not take anything away from that at all. But, um, okay, so here's what I'm saying. Little company, okay, they had like 30-something, 30 33 employees when they IPO'd, okay? So people don't realize that. $27 billion company, 33 employees. Um, and all their servers, so they have to disclose this when they go public, all their services were run on Amazon AWS. So really? this shocked Yes, this shocked people. They were like, are you freaking kidding me? Like the same thing, I can go buy, you know, $2.99, $9.99 service. I get the same uptime as you, the same whatever. I'm just buying a small amount of like service space. But you're seriously running off of freaking AWS? Like, yep. <laughs> Run a multi-billion dollar company off of AWS. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, and so, so that, you know, when I started re re reading stories like this, I'm like, you know, um, it is totally possible to build the lifestyle you want and the business you want. No, I love that. And, you know, we had, we had Colton on our show, uh, gosh, a couple months ago now. And Barger? Yeah. 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 I think he's a friend of mine. Yeah. yeah, he, was one of he, yeah. he was, he was a great guest, but he actually, you know, brought up something I think you guys are doing together, the mentor lab. Yeah. 
Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I would I love was at his house to, yesterday. Huh? Yeah. I was at his house yesterday. Yeah, I would love to kind of get into that a little bit with you and kind of understand more what that is and what you offer people. On Mentor Lab? Yeah. So basically with Mentor Lab, um, we, we realize that there's this massive influx of coaches, consultants, high ticket sellers, agency owners. It's really like those three or four categories. So I have, uh, I have courses that teach automation of those four businesses. So once again, think of a lifestyle, right? So like, how do you automate sales, lead gen, things like that within those four practices? Um, and so I was like, so Colton came to me one day, was like, so Colton was a student of mine, he used to come to my house, um, at my, uh, well, my other house is a, like a little mansion down south and we run masterminds out of there. So Colton used to come to my stuff and, um, but he was always, you know, Colton's like a deal guy. Like right, he's right. always working you, he's got a plan, he's, he's always working a deal, you know? And uh, I love that about him because I love deal making. So it's like, you know, when he wants to talk, he doesn't want to just have a sandwich. Like he wants to deal, <laughs> he wants to try to make a deal. He has an idea. <laughs> yeah. And nice. so, um, so he's like, hey, um, he's like, uh, I, I've got these students that signed up for this coaching program. And he's like, but what if I did it with you? And he pitched me this whole thing. And he's like, so he's like, I'll bring the students. Uh, I just need your name and your in all your systems and your automation to run it. And it was a good partnership. I was like, man, like you're he's bringing heavy weight. Like he's bringing the clients. He's already got them paid. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so that's how we started partnering. Was we we started Mentor Lab, and we basically said like like we're gonna teach our best stuff in here. Um, like the, the, like the, the stuff that we're making money on right now, the, the systems and stuff, like the most practical things that we're doing, we're going to talk about those things. We're going to, we're going to talk about real things like, you know, issues we're having and things to watch out for, you know, not, we're not just going to get on and like, you know, make it seem like, you know, my life is, you know, a golden road. Isn't yours, you know, like I hate those kind of programs where it's like, Right. You know, the, the, the guru seems, or the expert seems so unflawed, you know? And so we really just tried to like truly mentor people. And it's been crazy. I think we're, we have like, um, um, I think we've done like 108 or something like that, 118 or something like that. Um, we have a total of 71 current active members. Um, and we don't even push it. That's the thing. We don't market it. We don't push it. We've got it, we've got it out there on the website. We don't run ads to it. It's literally just been word of mouth um, and just people coming in. And um, so we have a really sweet deal. Um, yeah, we still have a sweet deal out there right now where like people can get in and try it for just a dollar. Right. So it's like a seven day trial. You can try, you can get in there, consume the content, um, you know, be a part of a call or whatever. Um, we do, we do, we do one call a month where me and Colton get on for a couple hours. Usually like two, two and a half hours. We get on and just, we'll go through people's businesses. We do mentoring training. Um, and yeah, we, you know, and then we're always asking like, guys, what, what, what's more important to you? What's the most important thing for you to learn right now? What's the most relevant thing for you? And then we come back and teach, or sometimes we bring experts, like we'll bring other experts on. Uh, I think we've had like Josh, J.R. Revis, we've had Facebook ads people, we've had different people, video people come on and teach stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really cool community. And the coolest thing is like we go to events and conferences and stuff and like 
like this little group of like this alumni mentor that people, I mean, they're like really, really close. Cool. <laughs> so they, they, they all room together and we don't even organize that, but they, they room together. They, they, they travel together. It's really, really cool. So yeah. for just a dollar, a dollar will get you in. Yeah. And then I think it's, dollar. it's super <laughs> inexpensive guys. It's like 67 bucks a month. Um, like it's like, it's like the biggest no brainer. Like if you, if you want to get real like executive level coaching of, you know, how to run your business and stuff, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a total no brainer. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so it's funny cause we've, we've toyed with like how big do we want to grow it? A lot of different things, but we just said, Hey, like we're, we're going to get offered on a great deal. Anybody who comes in, we're going to take care of them. And to be honest, like we both have other businesses that are doing well. Um, Colton has a lot of stuff he's working on. I, I, I do too. So like we kind of have both said, like we kind of like it smaller than bigger. You know, like we like the fact that like, you know, we know, we physically know everybody, you know, like yeah, we literally yeah. know every single member. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's just been a, it's been a cool little thing. Um, you know, um, I have to give some credit to Rachel Peterson. She, she, she gave me a lot of guidelines on how to start it and stuff. Told me how she did something that she, she does for social media managers. But, um, but yeah, so it's been cool. Well, well, I know we will definitely check it out, but to, to shift gears a little bit, um, definitely got to ask our, our question all about hindsight, hindsight's 2020. If we had it right, then we would never make a mistake. We would fail a lot less, but uh, obviously sometimes we need those failures to, to find the right things. But if you, James, were able to go back in time, give yourself a little of advice with the, the knowledge of hindsight, um, what advice would you give yourself and when would you go back? So that's an interesting question. My, my first reaction to this type of question, um, I will answer the question, but my first reaction is I, I wouldn't because the reality is that just never happens in business. You, right. you, you never have hindsight. You, you right. never will. And so you have to learn to and, and, and take every moment with, with the proper amount of, of, of seriousness because it will never, you know I mean? You will never have that moment again. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, the biggest thing I tried to do, and so, somebody taught me this when I was young, um, I was a part of Jay Abraham's coaching program when I was young. I think Jay, Jay taught me this is, um, when you, when you're in a dilemma or, or a decision, you, and you have like two, two different roads to go down or three different roads to go down, you need to first think which one of these options will, will I regret not doing? And because he, he, he has this whole thing around regret. And he's like, um, he's like, so if you go, you know what, the safe route is, is this way, option A, but I really think I'm going to regret it if I don't try B. Like, like it will be something I, I, I feel remorse or regret. Then he goes, you need to go that way. Because one thing that you don't want to live your life in the future, you don't want to live a life full of regret. <laughs> That, that'll stress you out, right? Man, I wish I did this. I wish, you know. So honestly, like most of my life, like um, I didn't tell you all the drama, but like two years ago, totally, um, I don't say totally out of the blue, but um, it was a tough thing. Like my, my, my wife just decided she wanted to roll. <laughs> She's like wanted to leave and we have all these kids and stuff. And I was like, uh, like, like just bye, <laughs> like, you know? And so, um, so, so like, like, you know, like, uh, 
like because of all the decisions that I've made coming to that point, at least I was able to say, I don't have any regrets on this. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have any regrets like of, of, you know, so, so anyway, I, I, like it, what I'm saying is things can be highly drama or highly traumatic. Um, but uh, if you try to make decisions in the now that, that you think um, I won't, live with regret if i if i were to make this choice um then i think in general you'll you'll be on the right track and and i could actually show people like in spiritual books like the bible and stuff like that where it actually heavily leans that direction like making decisions that like like um that that don't lead to regret but um but that just depends on what people believe but like um but if i were to if i were to hypothetically say that um I think the, the um, I think like some, some, I don't know, for some reason for me, like practical things pop up such as um, I would have been, a, I would have tried to understand the difference between income and wealth when I was in my twenties. Um, so like when you don't have money, like you, you don't know what it's like to have money, let alone what it would be like to do something interest like to do something smart with that money <laughs> like you know so like um like i remember seeing um uh, so like my first commission check at nextel i'll never forget this my, my direct deposit was thirteen thousand three hundred and eighty one dollars uh i'm sorry sixteen thousand sixteen thousand three hundred eighty one dollars okay like i i literally so this is like 2001 or something or 2000 so i was like my dad had made like 36 grand the year before. <laughs> so I made about half what he did in one, one check. And um, so like, like I, I was like, my dad didn't know how to spend it or what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with it. So I would literally try to figure out how do I spend this money? So I would like get out a piece of paper, get on my bed and think, okay, I can buy this. I can buy this. Like I was just an idiot. I was just thinking, and literally, like, I, so I was really into giving. So, I, like, I would give people money. I would, I would, I would always like invite all my friends to go like out to eat somewhere, and then I would pay for everyone. So it's like, once you get in the habit of doing that, like, all of a sudden, you know, you. have a thousand dollar check is nothing. Like, people are drinking, whatever. Like, man, you can run a thousand dollar check pretty fast. Right. And so, like, you know, I'm doing you know six, seven, eight grand a month just in eating out. Um, <laughs> You know, like, like I was literally trying to think like, how do I spend this money? And that is like the exact opposite thing you want to think. Right. <laughs> literally, that's like the dumbest thing you could possibly ever think. Um, so I, I remember like I lived in this really small apartment. I, cause I, all my friends lived here. So, so we lived in this apartment. It was a two bedroom with three of us. Okay. But, I mean, like we're 20 year olds. We're just kind of bachelors. Like we're, we're enjoying ourselves. I didn't want to move out. Uh, I, I'm making all the money. They don't want me to move out. So I'm staying there and I'm only paying like 300, $400 a month in rent because right. of three people pay like 400 bucks a month. In rent. This is hilarious. Why I did not go get my own place. I have no idea. Why did I buy a house? I have no idea. I end up with a brand new SUV and two bass boats in an apartment. Like that, that's how stupid my life was. Right? Like, like I remember people pulling up and like, who the hell has got two bass boats outside? I'm like, that's me. <laughs> it's mine. Oh, and they're like, and you live in an apartment? When you keep them outside without covering them up? And 
like <clears throat> so like that's that's I think one of the biggest things that I totally messed up on was um just going like eight years just spending money like as if as if it's always going to be there right you know and th this is a true sign that you're a young entrepreneur like like I was uh I was like I was talking to these uh software guys two years ago these two two young so uh they're both in the late 20s they're doing well but they they had a year where they did like two almost three million dollars in their software and they're like hey we want to go to 10 million next year and they're like no matter what we are going to 10 and I was like how do you know that and they're like well we, we did three so we must be able to do 10 I'm like well how do you know that and they're like well we just we know we can and I'm like how and they, they couldn't explain it and I'm like dude everyone thinks they're going to go from three to 10, but the reality is very few people do like maybe a handful, like 5% do. And so I was like, you have no executional plan. You have no reason to think this. You just like you, you, uh, there's this thing called the theory of line extension that they talk about in like um, finance where it's like, there's this thought that like, just cause the stock market's going this way right now that in uh, somebody who, who's new, they're going to go, Oh, well look, do you see how it grew today? So tomorrow it's going to keep going in, in this week and next week. That's like the dumbest thing you could think. Right. I mean, you guys see stocks, they go like this, right? Mm -hmm. But like, like somebody who's new, they, they go, Oh man, last year we, our company did this. So therefore every year going forward, we will always have that, that rate of increase. And that's just not true. You know? So, um, uh, so, so like you, you tend to think where I'm getting at is you tend to think, I'm making money now. It will always be there. And that's just not true. That's not, not true. You know? Um, uh, and even for Warren Buffett, for anybody, that's just not true. You know? Um, like, you know, so that, to me, that, that, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is um, I, I would have learned to treat people better. <laughs> um, so, uh, and, I, and I say that because there's a very specific point in my life. I want to say somewhere around like 23 to 26 where I was living in LA. I was making a ton of money. Okay, to be honest, I wasn't making that much money for living in LA, but I thought I was. Okay, right, right. Like I, when I now I look at, it, I'm like, dude, I, I was like, okay, but I wasn't making that much money. <laughs> I mean, I'm in LA, okay, like right. come on, like it's you know, yeah. And so, um, but like uh, I started, like I was eating at the Ritz Carlton a, a lot. Like uh, I got married at 23, so I was taking my wife to all these places, and. Um, my, I remember me and my, my, my ex-wife, my, my wife at the time, we were at the Ritz-Carlton and um, I think we were staying there and having dinner and stuff like that. And, uh, and I just remember treating this waitress like so bad. And, um, and my wife was like, she's like, why are you treating that person like that? And I was like, oh, they, you know, they don't know who I am. And, you know, they don't know that I'm you know, running this company, blah, blah. And she's like, no one gives a damn. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. No one gives a damn, you know? <laughs> and so it's just funny, like, you know, you, 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 uh, I guess the kids say now, like, you know, don't, don't, don't smell yourself too much. <laughs> right. Don't buy into your own press, right? Yeah. 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 So. That's, that's awesome. James, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I know our listeners are probably like, holy smokes, I want to connect with that guy. Where can they do that? Where can they find you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm active on Facebook, so um, that would be a good place if somebody wanted to just connect with me. We get about 200 PMs a day, like 180, 200 PMs a day. 
but we have a filtering system and tagging system. So if somebody's new, it, it, uh, I will see it. Um, and I'll usually try to re reply to everybody who's new personally. I try to reply. Um, the other thing is um, you can just reach out to me on jamesmiley.org. We have a whole bunch of resources and stuff there. Whether people are trying to, you know, grow 10 million this year or, or get their first, you know, $100,000 this year. We have all kinds of different resources and levels there. People can, can interact, but, um, but yeah, if people want to um, engage with me or whatever. Um, Facebook is, is the place to be. Awesome. It's definitely uh, really appreciate your time and in uh, your knowledge. And uh, I, I'm sure I'll, I'll see you soon at the, my mentor lab. I'm going to have to go check that out here after, after we're done. So uh, sure. thanks again for jumping on. Okay. I appreciate you guys. Well, everyone, if you liked what you heard, which I'm pretty sure you did because uh, James is now on this, this crazy path of being able to help people and give such value with his mentor lab. So go to mymentorlab.com. You can get, join his circle, get his coaching and figure out how he helped multiple businesses get to $20 million in sales for a dollar. What? It's crazy. Crazy. A dollar. Like, you know, there's not very many people that I could say it was just like a natural, normal conversation on our show. And he's, he is truly one of those people. Uh, I just really enjoyed talking on him. Yeah, the fact that he, uh, he was always the first for anything from, <laughs> you know, from middle school on wasn't afraid to fail like that it, we we can all learn so much from that yeah i i, I was going to use that for for one of my takeaways but i'm going to give you two different ones two yeah different. There's, there's plenty of them out there for there's you. a ton of them ton of them all right so one of them and, and i love this it's about living in the moment take every moment seriously take every moment seriously you never know what's going to change what's going to happen just take every moment seriously. Your time is precious. Take every moment seriously. And then, I love this. When you're making decisions, which one will you regret less? Versus which one will you regret more? And live without regret. I love that. Absolutely. Don't be afraid to fail, for me. And definitely, don't regret like the no regrets uh, you know the get the tattoo right the no no regrets no regrets no, no regrets <laughs> need a no regrets sticker on my car <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone thanks so much for joining hindsight hacking today uh and definitely go find us on facebook uh facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hindsight hacking and as always we wanted to thank you for being the best part of the hindsight hackers community <laughs>